0: your window may not be great but what if yeah. everything was super well that's the case here on post show recaps because it's the everything is super podcast currently talking about marvel's what if on disney plus and we're also talking about the first three episodes of why the last man on fx on hulu this week we will uh, of course only talk about that in the back half of the show so if you haven't watched it you'll be able to tune out uh, or if you have, watched it, and that's all you want to hear. You can skip ahead. I'm Josh Wigler. I'm joined here by my very good friend, who I would like to imagine would rescue me from a similar disaster as Killmonger rescues Iron Man and wouldn't actually betray me in the end, Kevin Mahadeo.
1: Yeah, you can wish that last part. Am I last... hoping for too much? You're hoping for too much. You can wish that last part. You know that last part's coming. It's the curse, your sudden but inevitable betrayal right there. Oh, my God. What if Kevin Mahadeo rescued Josh Wiggler? Wouldn't happen. <laughs> I would just, uh, I would rescue. You. It'd be very fun. It'd be a very bodyguard-esque. I'd like lift you up and just, you know, go running. You'll have a, you know, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a good one. You, you did well on that. I didn't. <laughs> love, love. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, that would be great. That'd be great. I, I, I could visualize it very easily. It's very nice.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it's a great uh, little image.
0: What if earlier this week someone asked us on Twitter to, uh, to do a special what if episode about Lost over on Down the Hatch with uh, Kevin Mahadeo crossing over, and I responded by saying I wouldn't want to damage my friendship with Kevin because he would just say what if Lost was good, and Kevin simultaneously, without seeing my tweet, basically tweeted back the same exact thing. Yeah. What if that happened So in sync. week? It's so in sync. It's so It great. was a great a great Twitter moment and a great testament to the fact that Kevin and I, even if we are not aligned on Lost, are very much aligned generally right now. We are vibing out as we are going into, what is this, episode six of What If? Oh my God, episode is it six? six? Yeah, Man. only three more left. Ah, uh, I
1: don't want three more. <laughs> Just give me more at all times. Three more What
0: Ifs. What if there were more than three episodes of What If left? Well, that's uh, that's why it's called What If, because that's not the reality we live in. So we must savor... What we've got here, we've got the Killmonger episode this week. We will talk about that before we talk about why. Uh, programming note for next week. I know that we've been getting these to you a little bit later than usual uh, the past couple of times. I'm really sorry about that. Next week, we won't be late. Uh, and in fact, it's possible we may be a smidge early. Very exciting news. Kevin Mahadeo and I are going to be recording Everything is Super live in the same room together the first time we've been in the same room together since oh god march 2020 i know like literally the week before lockdown literally the week before <laughs> lockdown uh kevin and i haven't seen each other since starting everything is super the podcast and we are going to be changing that very soon here hanging out together in uh in my in my backyard uh typically it's his Uh, And we are going to be recording the podcast together next week. So we've been doing like kind of like multi-topics the past couple of weeks of the podcast. It's been really fun to like uh, diversify what we're doing beyond just the what if of it all. We would like to keep that going for next week, but we thought it would be fun of rather than like honing in on, I don't know, like the series premiere of why or whatever. Let's just open it up. AMA, you got questions, we've got answers. You have anything that you want to ask me and Kevin about our opinions on literally anything, this is the time to fire it off. We will do a special EISAMA. Everything is super, ask us anything. That is what we are doing. Send that feedback in, super at postshowrecaps.com. That's super at postshowrecaps.com. Of course, you can also hit us up in the Post Show Recaps patron discord. If you are a member, patreon.com slash post show recaps or you could tweet at us at roundhoward at kev mahadeo see what kind of twitter fights you can goad us into it's certainly possible uh i'm so excited to see you kevin it's gonna be i know it's
1: gonna be i like as you're describing it when you said that we haven't seen each other since we started this i'm just so long what i miss you so much i don't want to admit that on the air but it's true (laughs) i'll Uh, admit it too i miss you as well it's gonna be great i'm very excited to see you i'm very excited to see emily fox it's gonna be some good times Yes, so we will do the podcast
0: live next week, so keep an eye out for that. going to be coming your way earlier than it normally does. All of that said, let's talk about What If this week, Uh, Kevin. What If Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? Another pretty straightforward episode title that I think uh, certainly speaks to what's uh, at stake in this one. It's basically what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark is kind of uh, like the kind way, Kevin, of saying, what if uh, Killmonger killed the Avengers? Uh, they don't exist as a result.
1: They they don't. What is traditionally seen as the Avengers don't exist because we talk about how Tony Stark launched the MCU. Tony Stark also essentially launches the Avengers in a way, right? Like his appearance is what kickstarts a lot of that stuff. And without him, uh, there's not a lot of them and no one to really stand in the way of Eric Killmonger's uh plan here uh as he just 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 man does he do a lot of stuff in this a lot of bad stuff but it's like his plan comes to fruition basically right like what if Eric Killmonger wins like is basically what this title should have been Yeah, uh,
0: it is really like the whole episode is basically just like watching uh, the Killmonger show of like, what if this guy ends up actually infiltrating Wakanda, taking the throne and meeting virtually no resistance whatsoever. Um, There is a degree to which I feel like, at least I felt this, I'd be curious for your thoughts. Like I felt very little tension this week Uh, Because I really felt like we were watching Killmonger's just, like, absolute obliteration towards the throne. And I'm not necessarily saying that I'm mad at the lack of tension. It was kind of really satisfying to watch one of my favorite Marvel characters be really great at being that character... Um, even if I felt like it was lacking a little bit of the danger. Like, I didn't feel like there was any moment where Killmonger was going to be toppled.
1: Yeah, I, I I think there was. It's like one
0: of those seasons, this is like the Redemption Island of uh, What If? episodes. <laughs> How like dare you? This is like the Survivor Redemption Island of What If? episodes. It was Killmonger's Boston Rob, and no one can oppose Killmonger, and nobody, like, a couple people try, and a couple people figure it out, but they figure it out way too late. Killmonger literally carrying his family on his back as he proceeds to the throne of Wakanda basically uncontested
1: yeah I mean it's it's amazing to see like this character who I you know it's my favorite villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um like essentially like have his plan play out like his strategy of how he's thinking ahead chess matching the whole thing basically and standing unopposed but also still reaching towards and aiming for that goal that we've seen and in a way that like showcases a lot of the themes of Black Panther, really brings that back to fruition, but also like ending on the say a, a similar-ish note um, of like Killmonger exists to inspire change in a way amongst the heroes to do something different. Uh I think that's so also very, very interesting. Um, and especially that ending line. Uh you know, we've had a lot of Black Panther this season. And I think that's very much in a way on purpose. I don't think it was planned. But clearly um he is a presence this season and it's kind of both um amazing and heartbreaking at the same time, but this ending line I think really paid homage in a way that I think was really wonderful. Yeah, what
0: was the line again? Do you have it uh written out or the the um the the, the gist of it?
1: I don't have it written down, but it's talking about how heroes are never gone because yeah. of the people that they inspire to carry on the legacy. And I think that's so accurate and so true, right? It's it's a I mean I I go back to this quote, but (laughs) but I I love it where you know it's it's close to that heroes get remembered, legends never die, uh from the Sandlot, one of the you know greatest movies of all time. Oh yeah, Um, of course. Like it just really rings to that, right? Like heroes heroes may die, but like their their legacy lives on, and it's like it just really hits you, especially considering what that character meant to so many people.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was, it was really great to just like be back in the world of, uh, of Wakanda. Uh, like we definitely like have already seen Wakanda this season, but it was like, uh, zombie apocalypse yes. Wakanda right like yes. you know glimpses of that so it doesn't really really count um but getting to see like uh so many of those characters uh again a scene like uh you know um uh seeing T'Challa's mother like running the door, like that stuff was really 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 cool uh because it was obviously like it's a little bit earlier than Black yes. Panther takes place Yeah, okay, because so like, like Shuri is Shuri like baby Shuri like a kid in
1: this <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah uh, which was great. I thought that that was a really, really neat way of doing it. Um, and like, uh, like seeing a lot of like Black Panther the movie, like a lot of those uh, beats like play out similar but different. Like everything with like Ulysses Claw, uh, yes, and, and like the way in which Andy he was handled is in this he's returning to
1: that that role and and playing it just as crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he loves it. It's like uh, it's a little bit of a shame that uh, that both of these characters I mean, a little bit of a shame, a lot of a shame that both of these characters have uh, been killed in the MCU Prime. But look, what if is definitely opening up doors, right? We're in multiverse mode right now in the MCU. Uh, we are gonna have to call it the MCM relatively soon, <laughs> uh, and and you know, Killmonger now has like his own full episode. The arc of of who he is in this is like. He's not fundamentally different from
1: who he is in the movie. He is exactly the same. Yep. His goals are the same. He's progressing in the same way. And in this version, of course, he achieves it in a way that he didn't uh, get to in the movie because in this, he takes out T'Challa earlier on. Uh, This is a a T'Challa that is not quite the one we knew. Uh, I think not as experienced, obviously, as well. Um, And yeah, with, with access to Tony Stark's tech... He really achieves what he wants and it ends in such a way that's just... I don't know, I just find it all so fascinating and I can't get over... The the, the proof to me that this is the same character fundamentally is just that interaction he has with Rhodey, right? That Rhodey's insistence of just... You have to change the system from the inside. And he just says, nah, you can burn it down. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, that's an option. And whether or not that's the full right option, of course, very debatable. But that is his philosophy. That has been his philosophy. He he didn't go into Wakanda at the end and like immediately kill his uncle and like take the throne, you know, straight away. Like, that's not fully what it's about here. Like, he's really going to use that to what he said, like open Wakanda's borders in a way to create revolution in a much more violent manner um and obviously there are forces that will oppose that but it is exactly as he said in the movie he's doing exactly what he wanted in the movie nothing has changed there i think to me in a way this is what i don't know it's hard to say like this separates him from thanos right because i talked about like what I love about Endgame is that Endgame proved that Thanos is ultimately like a villain villain that his whole posturing about like the using the gauntlet to do good it's not about that it's always for him it about being right. It's just like his philosophy shifted and changed once he found out things about the future about the way things went. Whereas like with Killmonger it's like no this is just straight up his philosophy and like how it changes doesn't change what that philosophy is. This is this is he literally sticking to his guns all the way through to the end here. And I, I really like that about this character. I really like that it is this deep held core belief about like what he needs to do in his mind to not help himself, but in a way help what he sees as his brothers and sisters. So I love that. I it just this episode just makes me like the character even more, honestly. Yeah, I think because of like the fidelity
0: to the character. I think like that is a really big piece of it that like Um, you know, I, I feel, I feel like Killmonger that they, you know, the way that he was portrayed in, in Black Panther, he like meteorically rose the ranks of like the best Marvel villains of all time, like very, very, very swiftly. Uh, and I think because of like that sort of vibe of like, yeah, he's the antagonist and yeah, he's done some like bad stuff uh but like can you get behind his viewpoint or can you understand his viewpoint uh and then does he have uh like an extraordinary almost like superheroic amount of charis- uh, charisma behind it and the answer to all of that is yes uh and i think a lot of that is alive in here it's clearly like the Michael B. Jordan influence on this is pretty serious, not just from the fact that obviously he's just like playing the shit out of Killmonger again, but there's at least one really great Michael B. Jordan Easter egg in there's this episode. There's a Michael B. Jordan Easter egg and a Wire reference, so both Michael B. Jordan. Oh, things. I m- I, m- I missed the Wire one, so you'll have to fill me in on that. But the but the one that I was talking about is the the design for the drones yep. that he has Tony Stark help him. Make. He likes anime. <laughs> and he's like, I like anime, and like Tony's like, all right, well, we'll have like the biggest like non functioning Gundam on our hands at the very least, uh, and yeah, um, Michael B. Jordan like enormous outspoken anime fan, like huge Dragon Ball guy. Well,
1: they talk about the fact that like Killmonger is dressed like Vegeta, <laughs> like yes. he, he is Vegeta basically. Yeah, um, shockingly, my favorite Dragon Ball Z character as well. No surprise. Um, no surprises. The Wire What's the, reference? What's the Wire reference? Yeah, yeah and so I guess, like, spoil,
0: spoilers for The Wire. If you have not seen The Wire, it is possible that you have not seen The Wire, and you're saving it, and you either know that Michael B. Jordan is in it, or you don't. Uh, skip ahead, I would guess, 60 seconds, uh, because this is your final chance to avoid spoilers from the first season of The Wire.
1: Yeah, it's not a huge spoiler. It's certainly a line I think people have heard, because when him and Tony are back and they cheers... They say, uh, come at the king, you best not miss, which mm-hmm. is straight out from The Wire, uh, spoken by Omar Little, right? Or no, yes. was that? Uh, uh, yeah. It was Omar. It's Omar. Yeah, which, yep. you know, obviously R.I.P. The um, late, great Michael K. Williams, yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that line happened, and I was like, hey, a Wire reference, because Michael B. Jordan was, in fact, on The Wire. Um, phenomenal role, like one of his earliest roles. Uh, that oh, yeah. Him. Where's Wallace? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh one of the one of the uh really uh powerful tragedies of yep. uh modern t v uh, one of that story one right. of
1: the many many tragedies also from that show
0: from that specific Just don't, show don't attach yourself to people on that show like, I know. Jesus. it could be tough it could be tough <laughs> yeah. um i I wanted to ask you because this is something that you've talked about a lot um you know uh, both like in like i remember in like the ramp up to it, you were so excited to get into it. Uh, and then, when we got to covering Black Panther, obviously it was a really difficult time it was It was uh, basically right in the wake of uh, the death of chadwick bozeman um, and so i don 't know how how much you felt like you had gotten into it at the time if you feel like you had more to say on the subject now, or even if this episode just like kind of like underscored sort of, like, the Magneto qualities uh, of Killmonger, because Magneto of the X-Men, one of your all-time favorite characters, and I know that you've talked a lot about, like, sort of, like, similarities between him and Killmonger as rendered in the MCU.
1: Yeah, and I think this really does underscore it, right? Like, this idea of pushing back against this this oppression. I think Magneto has it a bit different, because for him, it is, it is not just the outright, like, humans are bad because they are like, obviously that for Killmonger, there is a racial divide that happens here um, and societal and a lot of things that play into it. But you really see it like the, the, the idea of like taking this stuff and again, going towards the idea of uh using this to, to help the people like him. And Magneto is very much like that. Magneto isn't about like, I'm here to rule, right? Like at least when written the best and when we're in, my opinion, correctly he is in a constant state of, like, I am d- trying to help my people. And, like, that is has been his goal. And I like that they kept that. Part of me was worried that they would twist something about Killmonger's quest, Killmonger's journey, like, what he's trying to do. But they didn't. And I really appreciated that fact about that in this episode. I also did like the end, right? Like, the, what was interesting about the original Black Panther was the idea that And I I need to be clear here. Uh, Many times, I I have the philosophy of, like, Magneto was right. And to an extent, I still have that philosophy. Killmonger is a bit different, right? Like, I'm not even saying, like, Killmonger is universally wrong. I'm saying that, like his life everything he went through the the world that he lived in led him down this path and put him in this position and from that pov and from the life he led i absolutely understand and see why this is his philosophy and i'm not even that far gone from it necessarily like obviously i'm not saying do the things he did um but like the idea of revolution is something always on my mind but what i appreciated here is that in black panther He's a villain straight out. It's not a like a a a debatable line in my opinion about like people do with Thanos. Like, is Thanos a villain? Like, he has a point, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to do what's best. I think Hillmonger is uh, unequivocal. It's not really that
0: debatable with Thanos, by the way. You need to be
1: on the internet more, I guess. there No, the whole no, I, I don't. I definitely don't. I'm
0: definitely on the internet more than I need to be, probably. Uh, there's It's really not debatable about Thanos. He's snapping out half of existence uh, dispassionately. Just snap half of, of more life, double life. Double the resources. Uh, Stop being terrible, you psychopath. Uh, Yeah. So I got to say, no debate with Thanos as far as I'm concerned.
1: Uh, Yeah, no, not at all. Um, So with Killmonger, though, what I think is uh, interesting, right? Like, he's a villain to me through and through. I I think it's non-debatable. But his influence was to change the philosophy of the hero. Black Panther, you know, T'Challa had to change ultimately to learn that, like, oh, Wakanda shouldn't be isolationist. We should open our borders. We should be doing more globally for people like us. That was the ultimate end, right? Like Hillmongers' POV influenced T'Challa to change the 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 philosophy of Wakanda itself, and I think in a way that still happened here, but just differently, right? Like you have Shuri coming to Pepper Potts and essentially opening technology, opening information, and opening borders of their own, uh, toward you know this other these uh, like other people here outside of Wakanda in order to. Uh, tackle a problem so I I think the philosophy still held true like Killmonger existed in a way to shape other heroes and influence other stuff in order to to change um, their own personal philosophies you know what I mean because like again Wakanda was extremely isolationist so all of that I think plays into the story that is helps reinforce and talk about the themes from that original movie that I found so important and so powerful.
0: I really liked, um, like, I love the premise, and I really enjoyed the dynamic between Killmonger and Tony Stark. And I have to say that there was, like, a significant piece of me while watching the the movie. It does feel like a movie, which is a credit to What If? Um, While watching the episode where I I wasn't sure where this was going to land. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't sure where Killmonger was going to land with Tony. I really did buy into, like, sort of, like, the apparent friendship. Uh, that uh, seemingly existed, Uh, the camaraderie that existed after he busts Obadiah Stane, after he brings Iron Man back. And I was kind of interested to see, like, what were going to be the ways that that Eric and Tony, like, activated each other. And I kind of thought that that was the direction it was going to go. And then I guess in some ways it does go there, but it goes there, like, tragically, right? Like, it goes there in the sense of, like, Tony trying to avenge his friend once he realizes what's actually happened, and then Killmonger even being willing to take Tony down. He says to him, he's like, I didn't want to kill you either. Like, I didn't want this to have to happen. Uh, And I think, like, a really powerful moment on, like, uh, the, the questions of, like, race and privilege and everything like that. When Tony goes, like, I just looked at us like we were the exact same people. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, fathers who, you know, were, were gone, super geniuses in our own right. Uh, sounds like a very similar story to me. Uh, and I love that line from Killmonger where he's like, the fact that you can't see that they're not the same story is what makes us different.
1: 100%. That was the other line that I especially loved in this, right? The, the, the fact that you, you, you see us as the same is exactly the problem is essentially, right? Because there is that element of like tackling the idea of like color blindness, uh, the idea of like, oh, well, I don't see color. And it's just like, ooh, I know you're trying to like say the right thing. And I have fallen in, like, I found that trap when I was younger as well. And like, it's a mentality of like, you're trying to say the right thing, but like, ultimately, you are not. Um, right. And, you know, and I think that's really important, uh, you know, Get Out tackled that in such an interesting way by having a literal blind person who could not see color. Um, but many things Get Out did, like, tackled these issues in such phenomenally, uh, phenomenally well done ways. Uh, but that line was just so perfect because it really does speak to, I think, those little things, the idea of privilege, not being able to see it, like the, the fact that Tony just saw them as the same was problematic. And I think, though, obviously, Killmonger is the extreme end of that, right? Like his result is like i have a goal and this is how it ends up and this is why it's a problem for you so i had to eliminate you you know um i think it's just again like that like a a villain with such a a clear pov and like this is what i'm going to do and like his dedication to seeing it through is like crazy because he does a lot of stuff he manipulates a lot of things to make it happen um like the strategy involved is is insane and at the same time like extremely impressive um but yeah it's just ah, man there's so much about this episode that i love and i know like it feels like not a ton happened but it's just it was just incredible to watch well um, yeah yeah i i think your point about um like
0: the strategy and all of that unfolding like that kind of speaks to what i was saying about like a little bit of the lack of tension because like, I know Killmonger as a character from having seen Black Panther. And I think the world in which like, in which like nobody sees him coming because he's like kind of, a you know, like he's a quantity he's making his moves. He doesn't have the Tony Stark in, you know, the Tony Stark in buys him access to this world and this plan so much faster. Um, You know what? Like nine years faster, something like that. 10 years faster based on uh, the continuity of, uh, of of the MCU, right? Iron Man's taking place roughly, I would say, like about a decade before Black Panther, somewhere I think in that that's realm. maybe
1: right. It's really hard to say. I will say the timing was one of those things that was the more difficult parts of this episode to figure out like what was happening when, where, just because of um, what ages people would be, you know what I mean? Like I was at one point, I was like, "Wait, would T'Challa be in the Black Panther costume?" And I was like, "Yeah, he would, because like his dad would have passed it on by that point in terms of like not being the Panther himself." But like, yeah, it it, it it's a, it's a, I'll admit a little bit wonky, but I think this is probably the yeah like like had to have been ten years before Black Panther.
0: Yeah, so I think it was about that. Um, if if uh, if Killmonger is getting like access to the like the the Star, the Tony Stark inner circle. Uh At that point, yeah, he takes over the world pretty quick, like he gets into Wakanda pretty fast, and so I think like for that reason um like there was there wasn't a big piece of me that 's like i like Killmonger with that access is getting there that quick, like that is just like logical, that is like story driven like Tony Stark as Iron Man versus Killmonger is a very different question, but Tony Stark, just as like Tony Stark before beginning the Iron Man journey, like is obviously going to lose to Killmonger um and uh like everybody else who goes up against him like even Black Panther at that point he's young on the job he's not really as situationally aware potentially and if he's going up against trained killer training for this moment all his life Killmonger he's probably going to lose as well um so I think that that speaks to a little bit of the absence of tension but I I think that you hit on something that like helps me through that, like why that wasn't like a huge problem for me was just like how fascinating it was to watch it. like watching like uh, like an incredible artist paint. You know what I mean? Like, um, watching like a, watching like a, like one of the best supervillains around sort of cakewalk their way to the goal. Um, it is that boston rob thing like the season wasn't very good uh but the performance was excellent and i think that this episode was good uh but i think that like the like the the killmonger aspect itself like killmonger as a character as represented in this episode if this makes sense i really really loved and i really liked the episode does that kind of
1: fit i think i think i'm getting across what i'm trying to say there i i, I think you are and like it, it's interesting because um there's a lot that plays out of it too right because like tony stark like you said i think you hit on something really interesting this isn't iron man this is just tony stark this is the unchanged tony stark this is still that same cocky person that was existing before um he's still smart he still was able to figure out like hey i know you killed Brody um but like it's a very different person that is there. And I think those are all pieces of the puzzle that like really works in Killmonger's favor as well. Having access to the technology that Tony's able to create weapons that Tony's able to create, uh, you know, uh, under his, uh, his assistance. So all those pieces, I think play into this like interesting outcome that, that feels like you said, a, a master artist at work in a way is what we're all observing. Like you pointed out. Right. Um, and I think, That is what this episode really showed. What I also found really interesting about this episode is that we've had episodes that end in this like almost downer-ish way, um, an open-ended way. And I I like that this episode didn't end with like, and then Killmonger created problems and the world went to hell. It ended very much just like, yeah, we got to this point, but it doesn't mean that this is the end of the story because there's also these people here who are going to try and do something else. And I think that really works versus like if this ended in like a weird way, like how the zombies one ended or like how even um, the the Doctor Strange one ended in this like almost like crushing, depressing way. It wasn't really like that. So I could appreciate the fact that the ending of the episode didn't give us this like, and here's the answer. You know what I mean? Sure. Like here's why Um, this was bad or here's why this was good. It was just like, yeah, you know, that's not that's not how all these stories go. Yeah, I did think um,
0: I I read something interesting from uh, Matt Goldberg at Collider who wrote that "What if uh, What if episodes of What If had endings?" is the headline. Then what it wouldn't episodes be What If of, of What If had endings, uh, and the idea that these episodes don't end with conclusions, like the ones that are like really dark. Uh, Matt Goldberg writes, It seems like the direction some of these episodes want to go is something more akin to Tales from the Crypt, a dark, ironic conclusion that explores the hubris of its protagonists, and yet the Disney Marvel nature of the property forbids the storytellers from ever going in that direction, which is how you get awkward final scenes, like from this week's episode where Shuri and Pepper Potts make an accord that they will somehow stop Killmonger, and at that point, what was even the purpose of the episode? What is the what if if it comes back around to the same conclusion of
1: the bad guy was stopped by the good guy? The bad guys, I mean, he wasn't stopped by the good guys. We don't know what the future end of this story will ultimately end up being, what this universe will end up being. I think this is missing the point of what what if is a story. This has nothing to do with Disney. This is what what if always has been. Um, you don't get conclusive endings most of the time. You, you we're looking at glimpses into another world, segments and pieces of a larger story, a larger tapestry. That's what this is we were looking at a decade of MCU, right? That 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 shows just part of the story that we're experiencing for our universe. This is just a glimpse into another one, a different one. And even then it's like sped up a bit because we're seeing like a little bit faster time. But this isn't meant to be like Tales from the Crypt. This isn't morality stories. This isn't that. That's not what What If is about. What If is about showing us possibilities. It's about showing the potential of how worlds can change and universes can be different based on certain changes and certain branches in the timeline. That's what What If is. What If is not Tales from the Crypt. What If is not Twilight Zone. That's not what this is. That's what, not what this is about. It's a glimpse to show how our world and these other worlds can differ and what, how the stories can diverge from one simple act. Like if you're coming in here looking for definitive endings, you're not here to be watching what what if is. It's it's you're looking for a slightly different show.
0: Okay, cool. Good to know. Um, I had a couple other questions, things I wanted to talk about before we move on to to why the last man. Um one of them was, do you think that like the episode would have would have improved or decreased in quality like one way or the other, if we had spent like a meaningful amount of time on King Killmonger, like Killmonger after he takes the throne. Um, Should that have been the episode? Should that have been more in the episode? Was it just right for the balance for you? Because I've been thinking a little bit about like the Wakanda episode with Killmonger as King of Wakanda. Uh, and wanting to see a little more of that personally. But, I mean, that's what other episodes are for, potentially.
1: Yeah, I mean, personally, I think we got enough, because, like, the point of the story was to get him into this position, right? Put him into a spot where now there's no one, at least at the time, to oppose him. When you think about Black Panther, we got Killmonger into position of power very briefly, right? Like, he beat T'Challa originally, um, and took the throne. Like, he had that for a bit, and he was leading towards where we see him leading towards here. So the story wasn't even about like getting necessarily to this point, but like showing how he was able to get to this point and now standing what he assumes to be unopposed. It's not fully unopposed. And I think having more time with him as king of Wakanda and seeing more of the after is really not what we were like, I think, looking for. Because, again, you're, now you're entering territory of just, like, okay, well, the opposition fight between him and uh, Shuri and Pepper, like, how does that play out? What does that mean? What does he do then? Because his goal has always been to, like, get to this point, and afterwards, we're still to see. And I think having longer time there, I don't know if it would have enhanced it for me personally, um, because, like, uh, that also, again, for me... Ends up in the territory of just like, was he right? Was he wrong? What, w- right. Where are we going here? And I'm like, those are answers that I don't think you should be answering, Marvel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's probably something you maybe shouldn't tackle. Uh, so I, I think that I'm glad that we didn't get much more after that for this particular story. There's a lot, obviously... It's really funny because there's so many other episodes that I want to see the the further outcome of, but for this one, I don't know if I want to because I don't want that answer from Marvel. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know what they have to say about this because I don't think... That's, you don't trust him. I don't trust him enough to to tell this story, right? Sure. Unless Ryan that. Coogler is directing it, and then maybe we can talk. Like, you know what I mean? Then we can see. But I think I think those are things that um, I don't necessarily want Marvel and Disney to be tackling in this in this realm in this way.
0: I understand. Um, uh, what I was going to uh, talk about earlier and kind of got swept up in other conversations, but I don't want to end this conversation without uh, without at least like broaching it. Um, I think we feel pretty strong about the possibilities of what if building towards like a big conclusion that ties some of this stuff together in that universe. Obviously this Killmonger is showing up. I just don't think that there's a way he's not. My question is, do you imagine a world in which this Killmonger makes his way into the live action MCU, i.e. do you see this as a pathway for Michael B. Jordan to come back in some way, shape or form? Like, would you want to see this version of the character Brought into the main MCU in a bigger way. I
1: don't... I mean, it's tough. I don't know because sometimes you have... Like, when you have a phenomenal character like Hillmonger, and you have the story of where he wants to get to and to see this point, right? Like, we saw his character journey. We saw what the character's purpose was. Um, So, like... It's hard for me to say yes because I don't know what the story would be or what his reason for being would be. Even this version, it runs to our world. Do you, know do you know what I mean? Like, Magneto's yes. whole thing is that he's semi-successful because it's an ongoing conversation. Very similarly, it's hard to do a story where you end up with Magneto winning and the outcome being like, yeah, he was right. And then we're just kind of like, oh, huh. That has some societal implications. You know what I mean? Or, yes. yeah, he's yeah. wrong. And it's just like, that also has some uh, societal implications behind it. So it's an ongoing fight for that. And I think that's the thing with characters like this. You either have them in this position where that's the that's the struggle for them. Or, you know, it, 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 you have it where we have it in Black Panther, where his part of the story comes to a conclusion and it ends because his real purpose was to shape the future of Wakanda. Um, and he did that. So it's really hard for me to say like I want to see more of this character necessarily like right off the bat because it really would depend on like what they do with the character and what that changes for the people, everyone else in the story. So that's the hard part for me, you know, like there's so many easy answers for other people and other characters. Like with Captain Carter, I was just like, hell yeah, give me more Captain Carter. But with Killmonger, it's so tough. It's so, so tough because he's such a specific character and he was done so well for that movie and that story. That it becomes difficult for me as a storyteller to like break that chain, right? Like as a fan, it's always just like, yeah, more Killmonger, please. But then it's just like, yeah, more Han Solo, please. Then we get the movie Solo, and we're like, oh, well, all right. I get mm, maybe that was too much Han Solo, you know. Yeah, some people are taking severe issue with what you just said about
0: uh, solo. okay. I, I don't. Know. I can't there's, say it. I still owe the people a solo more podcast Anakin and I have Skywalker. Not Is yet. that
1: better? We need more Darth Vader. Like you know. Yeah. So there's a lot. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really fixated on Star Wars here, but you know what I mean. There's other examples where you're like, we want more of this character we like, and we get more of them. We're like, ooh, that made that character worse. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Always cautious of that. Um, anything else on the Killmonger episode that you wanted to get into before we moved on?
1: Um, I mean, the performances all the way across the board were spectacular. Um, it's it's really re- <laughs> it was really weird to have two episodes featuring uh, Chadwick Boseman that were were not great in terms of like what happens to that character. Sure, um, yeah. but I mean that's you know that's obviously like not 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 a thing that's like I think on the show um i love that the fact that the, that the t'challa focused episode really had a, a wonderful story um for him on it i'm curious how much more we're gonna get uh following this with three episodes left um but yeah i just again i i, I really love the show man it's giving me all the things i want and i know for some people maybe they, they want more uh, conclusive endings but like this is sort of what this is about and it's always like a tease like what if it's always been like this for me where it's like you read some of these stories you're like oh i wish i could get more and sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But, like, this is why I love the multiverse. Yeah. It's is really interesting stuff. The one thing I'll
0: say, and then I will move on, is Tony Stark has appeared in three episodes of Marvel's What If, and he has died in three episodes of Marvel's <laughs> What If.
1: Tony's Tony Stark's like ultimate fate is to die in some way. Shape, this show that. is like not
0: helping out anybody who is still residually triggered by the death of Iron Man in Endgame. They're just going for it. They even showed us his Endgame death, so technically he's died four times in three episodes. <laughs>
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the
0: family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Kevin. Are you ready to talk about the TV adaptation of one of your favorite comics and mine, Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera? It It is here... After so many years, so many in, years in uh, varying stages of promise uh, of an adaptation, either like a TV, there was there was going to be a movie Wasn't once upon Shia a time. Shia LaBeouf attached. Shia to this LaBeouf at one point? was attached Jesus. to this at one point in time. Uh, it has uh, this very iteration went through a couple of showrunners, I believe. Uh, so uh, not without its own bumps on the way towards becoming a TV show. FX on Hulu's Why the Last Man, the first three episodes are out. That's two more episodes than I realized when I said we would podcast about it uh, this week. So so, uh, Kevin and I ended up having to hustle, hence uh, the slightly late podcast drop. Um, We won't get into major comic book spoilers. Kevin, I don't think that we should. I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are watching this show who have not read the comics, who are going to potentially want to discover the comics, let's just say right up front, right? Like, if you enjoyed these three episodes of television, uh, post-apocalypse drama on FX, that A, maybe you didn't even know was based on a comic book, uh, and if you haven't read it, like, read read the comics. Give it, give it a shot. Like, if this type of affair of is of your interest already, then... I cannot imagine you aren't going to adore the comic books that it's based on.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't revisited the comics in a while. I know someone who did and um, they said for the most part the story and everything holds up really well. There's a lot of great character stuff. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in the comics. There are things that don't because this comic was written 20 years ago. So there totally. are there are bits and pieces that might be like, "Ooh," but I don't think anything like like I don't think anything like trashworthy, right? Like um the and this show, for me, does a really good uh job of like updating those things and addressing them in a way that I think is really spectacular.
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I co-sign all of that. I think it's a great comic that is at least worth a checkout. Uh, and then if you like that and you want more Brian, Brian K. Vaughn, check out Saga. Check 100%. out Paper Girls. Yes, please Check do. out Paper Girls. That's going to be a show as well. Uh, so there's, there's much to, to enjoy from, uh, from, from, his, uh, from his lineup. He's easily um, one of my
1: favorite writers. I mean, between Saga, Why the Last Man, and Paper Girls alone, I'm just like, I really, really like Brian K. Vaughn.
0: Follow him to the gates of hell. Of course, a lost writer, and Kevin, you will only respect him more because he bailed before the final season. Yes, like, indeed. Right before He's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> he said, thanks for, the, thanks for the memories. Three seasons of this. This was wonderful. I'm out. Uh, Is what he said before the final season. Take that. I I have enough money to go back to
1: comics for a while and
0: do my passion projects. I'll say goodbye. (laughs) I'll take my leave. Um, So the show, the premise, if you didn't watch it, now you're just like listening because you're like, I don't know that I'm going to watch it. Like we are going to talk about the show. I think we can ease into it, but we will talk about anything that happened in these first three episodes um, and potentially at any point. So I will just start by addressing the premise of the show. Uh, the show like, takes its whole first episode to really kind of announce what it's about and what's the premise of the world. Um, you know, the opening five minutes or so begin in like, post-apocalyptic New York City, and this dude named Yorick Brown with his pet monkey ampersand are wandering the streets looking for supplies, and it goes poorly. And then the remainder of the episode takes place sometime before this, I think about three weeks, and everything seems fine. So you have this vibe that you're going through uh, a big, like, journey towards apocalypse scenario. The episode is letting you know, it's like, uh, this is like the day before, the morning of, like, they're very helpful title cards to let you know where you are on the roadmap towards death. Uh, And what happens is that every mammal with a Y chromosome on the planet Earth dies, basically at the same time. Not quite. It would appear that some of uh, man's best friends uh, went before uh, before man, Kevin. Which is unfortunate. Uh, that was such a sad moment. There were a couple of scenes with animals that were really, really difficult. Uh, so if you're thinking about watching it and you haven't watched it, there are some moments of like animal uh, uh, violence. Uh, you know, it's graphic, really hard. Not, not graphic, graphic content. Yeah, graphic Gra- content, graphic but death. not violence graphic against de- animals. Graphic deaths of animals, it's not violence against animals, but it is not great. Um, and uh, yeah, that happens. Uh, everyone with a Y chromosome, every, every, every mammal on Earth with a Y chromosome is gone in a bloody blink of an eye, effectively. And the show is about um, what comes next, specifically with the fact that there are two exceptions to the rule. Yorick, the aforementioned character who is like a total schlub, very, very, very average white guy... Uh, and his pet monkey, Ampersand. They yes. have both survived, and we do not know why, and that is sort of the core mystery of the show, but the show is primarily interested in dealing with, like, the immediate fallout of uh, of this world uh, moving forward. That's the the premise. You take that, or you leave it. Kevin, having read the comic, having a lot of anticipation for the show, curious to just get,
1: like, the knee-jerk Kevin Mahadeo review of Why the Last Man thus far. I thought the first episode was Fine. This is one of those instances where I'm really glad that three dropped because I thought the first episode was fine. I think the biggest issue with the first episode is it falls prior to so much TV stuff, which is like you took the first episode to get to the premise that most of us knew going in because the show is already called Why the Last Man? And also you did trailers that it short, sort of tell us what's coming. And like while there could be the element of just like the drama of like building up to like what we know is about to happen... I actually think the comic does a better job because the like that's the other part. I read the comic, so I know, like I knew what was coming already, obviously. But the comic opens not with York wandering around, but it opens with like chaos. Like it opens with the like like all all all, everything with the Y chromosome dying, people freaking out, uh, chaos ensuing, and then it cuts to you know three weeks before right then it cuts to like slightly before and really i think that journey isn't even that like i think it's a day before they, they get into it pretty quick um and i think for me that works a little bit better as just like the slam bam hook of it all you know uh that said the second and third episode i really liked i there's a lot of changes <laughs> to say the least um and i think a lot of them are really like for the better uh, I'm. It makes me excited because it puts the show in a direction that, that is unpredictable for me as a person who really like loved and read the comics. The casting is spectacular. There's a lot I really really like. The first episode was okay, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think um, I again about absence of tension uh, because like to some degree you you kind of you kind of know. Um, you kind of know that Yorick is going to be okay by the end of the episode. And that is played as like a first episode ending reveal, uh, that like he has like woken up in the apocalypse and he's fine. Uh, and I think you don't have that if you, um, if you don't have that first scene, but it may be a moot point, Kevin, considering to your point, the show is called why the last man, Uh, So you're pretty clear that this character is going to survive the apocalypse and this is going to be or at least the initial event of the apocalypse and that this is going to be uh, a thing we follow. Um, With that being said, I think like another piece of this is that like a full hour of like apocalyptic ramp up may seem excessive to a certain extent where I do think that the very first issue of the comic is not very far away from this. I think the very first issue of the whole comic, if I'm remembering it right, really does just, like, render the whole thing and some of the lead-up to it um, so that they're hooking you with the premise and you're getting invested in the character. I think the experience of reading one issue of a comic book is really different from the experience of sitting down for, like, a 45- to 60-minute hour of TV. So it's going to feel different. Like, it is a fairly, like... You know, details have changed, but, like, structurally, it's, like, it's not dissimilar to the way that the comic book started off, um, but I, I do think, like, it can feel a little sloggy to get through, and then maybe it does play differently, to your point, if you view it as um, act one of a three-act premiere, Yeah, you know, uh, gives you some time to now, like, get into the world, like, now we've gotten some business, we've established who these characters are, we we know firsthand a lot of what they've lost, uh, so like we, we have a lot of buy-in to the cast, which I think the first episode really does accomplish to get you into episodes two and three in
1: a way where you're, you're leaning in a little harder. What's, what's interesting to me too, is that the comic, you know, and this isn't a spoiler cause the show does it immediately is the comic has a lot of reveals. Like the comic does not reveal that, uh, the paramedic that you are introduced to is his sister until much later does not reveal that the person who takes up the presidency is his mom until later. Uh, So these were all reveals that happened in the comic and they just kind of come out and just like, here it is like in the show, which I think I understand why, right? Like you have the moments of, of, uh, of, of wanting to get that out there because it is different in the comic versus television. Like it just works different and it's 20 years later. So, you know, that those type of reveals, I don't know how well they play uh, because like it's been done now. You know what I mean? um yeah. uh, I I hear that the the other thing that I think is interesting of what they of what they did um is uh, by by doing this introduction to the characters by doing this um reveals about his family early on, you essentially are setting the show up not as the journey of this character and agent 355 uh, as the comic does it but as an ensemble cast to the truest sense. Because we're not going to just be on New York and Agent 355 here, right? Like, it's very clear that we're going to follow multiple threads and multiple stories. So with that in mind, it makes sense that they would want to hit these reveals early. It would make sense that we spend a lot more time with these characters early on uh, for that first hour to, like, really set up the the ensemble nature of what they're going to do. So I can appreciate all that. Like, those are some of the changes that I think I really like. The the thing that does I think we unfortunately lost um, like one example for me and they already said it like it happened in the show. um, But like there's this great moment like when he finally reunites with his mom in the comic. Right. Like like after when the reveal happens, like his mom is the president and he like finally gets to see her. He asks about his father and she says like he died, you know, when when the plague hit and Yorick says like, oh, I thought it might have been genetic. And it's just this great moment because, like, in his mind, he was still hoping that maybe his dad survived because, like, he survived. Maybe it's genetic. And you kind of just get a brush off of that moment, which is such, I think, a gutting, powerful moment in the comic. So, like, little things like that, sure, we lost. But, like, yeah, overall, though, I I like it. Um, The one change I don't know how I feel about is with his sister is what I will say. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, to uh, Olivia Thurlby,
0: really, uh, really, really talented performer I love who's, her. <laughs> who's playing, who's playing Hero. Uh, so just like awesome casting and the story potential, depending on where they go and how it connects to the comics and like ways in which maybe they like, uh, you know, evolve the way it was rendered in the comics. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know. She's got a fascinating story, uh, to follow for sure. Like the deeper we go into the show, you're, you're uh, you bringing up that moment with Yorick and like finding out that his father is dead and how that plays in the comic about how he hoped it was genetic. Um, I I kind of appreciated uh, the way that the show played it. Um, I do think that they take the moment a little bit away from Ben Schnetzer, who otherwise is really really great as Yorick. I think, um, and really give this to Diane Lane, or it's perhaps that Diane Lane just kind of takes it cause she's so good and she's such a veteran. And of course she's just going to take like a really simple line and destroy me with it. And that line was that moment where she says to him, you're it kiddo. Uh, like after this whole, there's this whole moment where like he reaches her, he's been brought back to her. Uh, he's now gonna have to leave her because they need to like find out what's going on, and they need to get him out of there because it's so dangerous to be in the White House at this point because the White House is getting really tense. fixed uh, <laughs> stranger than fiction, uh, and he is uh, he's he's like, do I have to go? It, it doesn't have to be me. I just want to find Beth, uh, and like this whole this whole idea of the character very clearly um, being very very in over his head, uh, and talking about how like. I'm not the one who should be doing this. This is this shouldn't fall on me. I'm no good and like a lot of like the self-loathing and the cowardice and and all of that that comes out of it uh and it being met with like this moment of like uh I don't I don't know what to call like the the like the is it, is it pride towards him? Is it just her just like telling him like the the straight up truth? Is it
1: just being very very real in like you're all we've got. Yeah. I think it I think it's to being very, very real because like I think also that's part of the Not premise. long after,
0: right, he says, like, you wanna you want to like you're too nice to admit that like I'm not up for this.
1: Right. And he's not And she doesn't. She doesn't say it. <laughs> because like to me, that's that is the premise of the comic, right? The comic isn't like the last man like the hero we all need it's like no what if the last man was like a bit of a loser and like kind of sucked a bit right because like yorick is not great like you see it in and i think the casting by the way uh of the guy who plays yorick is so good which was yes one of my biggest concerns like when they were back in the day with like shia labeouf i'm like oh no it's um, a recasting by the way really um,
0: Yes. Uh, Barry Cogan, who is uh, a, a great actor. He's going to be in, in Eternals, so we'll be talking about him on the podcast not terribly long from now. Um, he was just in uh, The Green Knight. He's been in a ton of stuff. He was in Dunkirk. Um, he was initially cast as Yorick, and I think that he... Uh, I think that they may have filmed the the pilot and then like refilmed the pilot and he had been involved. I could be speaking completely out of school, but he had been briefly cast in it. Um, really good actor, but I don't know that he would have played uh, this character the same exact way. Uh, I, I don't know what we would have gotten from that performance. What we got is uh, this actor, Ben Schnetzer, who's playing the character. Uh, who I totally agree uh, is is really 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 super good as uh, like he's like you know he rides like the comedy and uh, like the I am exhausted and this is not for me line that like gives you like a very a very good baseline for some room for movement uh, you know like Yorick Brown if you are not a comic book reader and you're not particularly loving the character right now I think that is for sure by
1: design oh it's a hundred percent by design and it's interesting how they've updated his. Crappiness in a way, right? Because like the 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 one th- like he isn't the same Yorick because the Yorick of that of the comic was like 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 shitty in, in a very specifically early Ox way. Where, like, he, like, the comic book version has this, like, level of pretension to him. Like, he's so pretentious in the comic. And, like, he's just that guy who's just like references. And you like the same references as me. And it's just like that type of dude from that time period. You know, me, uh, (laughs) who existed then. (laughs) Uh, And it's just one of those things that I thought was, like, so great about the character and, like, what made it interesting. And I love how they've updated that because he is still, like, That type of annoying guy, uh, but just the one of today, you know, the one who's just like still like I, I do love that they kept the magic stuff because that is a huge, huge part of the character and magic is timeless. So there's no reason to change it because magic is forever and everyone who does magic is great. So yes. I'm glad that uh, they kept that aspect of it. But, like, yeah, he's 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 just kind of like, oh, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Oh, I can't pay rent. Oh, you know, like, just everything he says is so very Yorick, but at the same time is not the same Yorick that we know from the comic. I just no, think he's def- it's so he's well done. Today,
0: he's today's Yorick. For yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> and it's so great how they did that. I really, really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, Yeah, th- like I said, there's a lot in there that I really... I really like. Um, and like you mentioned, Diane Lane, I think she's so great, um, you know, as the president. Uh, like, all of that stuff, I think, is, is fantastic. And not even to touch on uh, Agent 355 yet, because, yeah. holy crap. Like, the part of the joy of the comic is Yorick and uh, Agent 355 interacting, and they were both so good separately, but when they got together, man, I saw the magic happen. Like, they... Their interplay is so great. Like, I I think it's in the comic, but I love how it happened, like, exactly how you would imagine the show. Where he's like, oh, uh, his name is Ampersand. It's because, or it's the, and she's like, I know what an Ampersand is. Like, the, the way that it's said and the way it's delivered, I'm just like, oh, beautiful, beautiful. It's exactly right. Like, so much of it was so perfect.
0: Uh, she's tremendously great. Uh, Ashley Romans is, who is playing Agent 355. Uh, and this is a really crucial piece of casting. This is obviously uh, based on what you've seen of the three episodes. And if you know the comics, you certainly know that like, she's a central character. Uh, making sure that Agent 355 works as a television character is just about as high on the priority list as anything mm-hmm. uh, in adapting this story. And Holy shit did they ace it yep uh Ashley Romans says three fifty five is amazing like the just like the the range of humanity that's on display uh both like like you see her like i don't know about like uh like she, like the way that she's handling the immediate aftermath of everything, and she's going to Diane Lane and basically being like, I'm not just Secret Service, like, I am like a really BFD, like, and like, you are the president, and so I need to like talk to you about that. And the way that she then just like cuts through bullshit. Uh, with with the president, uh, the way that she assesses situations so thoroughly and immediately, um, the way that she's able to handle people, so yep. not just like logistics and analysis, but the way that she just like very authentically handles people so far. Uh, inauthentically, in the case of the dude who she did not mind seeing uh, blow up, uh, you know, while he was trying to make bombs with other domestic terrorists. Yeah, he seemed uh, like that. He
1: seemed like a like a supremacist. I, I'm not into him. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that's totally fine um but like the way she handles the two pilots who have seen yorick and basically you know making it clear that like um this is both an issue and it needs to be resolved and i can handle it and i think a worse show like has her kill the pilots you know uh a worse show has her
1: handle the pilots this show has her bring the pilots in she did handle the pilots, in my opinion. I read that last scene of the third episode that, like, oh, she definitely did that, but she's smart enough to set really? it up in a way. Yeah, because, like, I think, and like I said, I think a lesser show would also have just had her, like, shoot the pilots, just, just like, get rid of them. But she manipulated a situation, I think, so well to, like, set that up, and I really do think she uh, set up that those pilots going down uh, as a way of, like, solving that problem. But mm. because of her ability to, like again play her part and play her part smart and correctly i think uh it's it's like left with ambiguity and i think that's on purpose and it will probably it might reveal like she did do that like eventually but that's how i read it and i was just like that's amazing that's awesome i love it i love that um because like she's able to like play it so well um because the pilots quite possibly were gonna be a problem and for 355 she is very like practical in that way you know Yeah, no, that
0: fits. It certainly fits with the character. I think the thing about her is, like, she really keeps you thinking. Um, Like her Her dialogue scenes already like the way that like you're seeing her interact with Yorick just in this third episode alone like really uh, speaks to what a lot of the show will uh, be when it's at its best is those two characters interacting with each other with a few other people, certainly people that they meet along the way, um, but that like core dynamic is foundational to the story uh, and I think having a character. Who is uh, capable of doing what you're suggesting she does by the end of episode three? Uh, like, I think like speaks to, um, I think really speaks to like the quality of character that you're getting uh, out of Agent Three Fifty Five. Like, she really is like, it's it's such a shorthand, but there's like there is like a Heisenberg quality uh, to Agent Three Fifty Five to a certain extent, I think. Um, but also just, like, has such a great human story, too. Um, I'm so happy to have her on TV. I'm, like, more happy to have Agent 355 on TV than I am to have the show Why the Last Man on TV.
1: Just, like, to mirror my Killmonger and uh, (laughs) what-if point from earlier
0: in the podcast.
1: It's really great. And, like, that's not even touching on the other parts of the show, which are... Uh relatively newer, I believe, because like Amber Tamberlin's uh character uh I think is like very new for the I'm show. I'm pretty sure she's new for the show. As is that like um press secretary or PR person who I don't know what her story arc is. That's new to me, but I'm interested in finding out. But like all those aspects are new and it creates obviously the political tension that they're going for here. And it's so funny because I I feel like part of me may be like, oh, I don't know. Five years ago or so would have been like, oh, this is silly. Like this idea of like this rivalry happening. But now I'm like, yes, seems right. It seems all correct. Like there's just a lot of it now that like even beyond the politicalness of it all, the idea of just like we're all going to come together and get stuff done. Nope. No, we yeah. ain't. <laughs> like yeah. it's just it's so spot on these days for me. Uh, so I really like all of that new stuff they're putting in. Um, I do want to talk about also the introduction of another new character, Sam. Um
0: yes. which is uh, Elliot Fletcher yes. is the name of the actor.
1: Uh, yeah, I- incredible. I love. I love that they did this because this is something that the the book doesn't go uh, doesn't really go into. I think it's touched upon, but I I urge people to they actually, touch on it a little a, a little, little bit, bit a and little bit. nowhere
0: near as 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 much
1: or as well as like these first three episodes alone. Correct, and it's it's not going to stop here, from what I understand, which I, I I really love because there's a I urge to seek out. There's a quote, and I don't I don't have the source, but you can find it. Uh, where the show the showrunner and the creators talk about um the the introduction of this character. And just their POV about this, and like really treating that like it's not like it's not about the men dying. It's anyone with a Y chromosome, and that includes uh, you know trans women as well, because they were very adamant about like trans women are real women. Like we cannot like this is the loss of many many lives of non-binary people of like they they talk about it in, in a way that made me really really appreciate the fact that they took into consideration a lot of this uh, when approaching it. Uh, they also talked about how. <laughs> how they did a lot of research about uh, various industries because it's been 20 years and they were like, we want to see like, you know, when it happened 20 years ago, there was research on about like, what would, how would it affect society? And they did research and realized uh, sadly, not much has changed. Uh, especially with the uh, working gap. Like, they were talking about that, and it's just like, they were like, oh, we need to shift some stuff. And it's like, oh, sadly, we do not have to shift that much because it's still the same situation about who's working in what professions and in what positions of power. And while it has, like, improved slightly, not enough in 20 years, which is really, I think, the motto of our entire existence in this country, not enough in 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, why
0: uh, is is positioned really well to be like a very compelling, you know, thinky show? You know what I mean? Like I think that the, it has it has the space to wrap its arms around some like really big important toppings topics. Whether it's uh you know it's it's politics, like it's 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 mirroring where we are. It's got uh, a lot of space to talk about gender in a really interesting way. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for all of that. Of course, uh, there is like certainly in the political side, like a weariness to a certain extent of like, you know, uh, like Handmaid's Tale fatigue type stuff, um, of like where this could possibly go. And I think the thing that is like, it is, it is there, it exists. I just feel like I need it to like the volume on it needs to go up just a tiny bit more. Is just like the levity to balance some of it out. Um like it exists, it's in the show. Like Yorick is a funny character, like agent 355 is funny with Yorick and with a bunch of other scenes. Um like that's I'm not asking for a laugh track by any stretch of the imagination, but there's like there are like these real moments of like kind of like tonal respite in um in the comic 100%. that I that I hope exists here. Like two characters like sitting down and thinking about everything that they've lost in the world, including tenacious D, who I believe in the moment they just check as the D, and they both're listing off different things, and they both mutually mourn the d uh, and it's it's incredible and a great moment, and then like very quickly, we're back into the shit, uh, and so it's not like that's the comic, but it's there, and I think it helps make uh like the uh like the the heavier, headier stuff. Work even better. Uh, I'm I'm slightly concerned that the show could go like grim dark, and I, I like if it goes there, then I think that we won't last very long. Yeah,
1: I really don't want too much of that, right? Like you said, the Handmaid's Tale of it all and everything. Um, it, it, it's really not what we need right now. I, I and, and the show is doing a bit of the balancing. I think you again we get it, especially in the third episode. The like, I think aspects, we're okay so. right now yeah like I think we're fine I
0: think like it, it, if it like is on this exact line like I think it needs to to go up a couple scooches yeah um, but like not like majorly so like I think we're in a pretty prime position right now with like room for improvement and it doesn't have to be a crazy amount to like get it to the point that like really did make the comic very special like it's not just because like haha that scene is hilarious they're talking about jack black and kg like I'm laughing uh, it's not just that like there is like actual actual. actual narrative function to having that stuff to like add to the depths of humanity that exists within these characters that makes it really really hard to watch them go through the stuff that they go through
1: yeah Uh, and there's again uh it's also a really good start there's a lot of potential and i really hope it plays through um yeah i i i keep thinking that i mean and this is you know we're not going to go into spoiler territory but it is weird like honestly the biggest change that does feel weird to me as much as everything else I think works really well is that beginning scene with Hero and um, the guy, you know, she's within the ambulance. Um, they change that uh, from the comic as to, like, what their relationship is and, like, what happens. And it's such a change that I'm just kind of like, but why? And, like, the you know, I think I read something because, like, I'm not going to say about what it is, but obviously she goes through a character journey but I feel like you could do that character journey the same way without having what you did. It's very odd. It's a very odd change. And, like, I have my reasons as to probably why they changed it that are less than, you know, um, uh, uh, giving the benefit of the doubt to the, to the decision being made. But it is a weird one to me. Uh, we, we'll talk about it more if we ever come back around to the show again and, I, and we can discuss it.
0: Uh, that's my question for you. Are we going to come back around to the show or at the very least, Kevin,
1: are you going to be sticking around? Are you going to be, uh, watching why we are going to be sticking around? I think, I mean, this is one of, uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite comic books of all time. Like it's the one that I usually will say, you know, like, Oh, you should check out why the last man, uh, you know, well back in the day now I probably say like, Hey, check out Saga. Um, But, like, Why the Last Man, Sandman, like, those are some of the stuff that I would always recommend to people who don't want to read superhero comics and, like, are looking for a little bit of a different storytelling and, like, what comics are capable of doing. Uh, So I do want to stick around because I do love the comics so much. And uh, if Brian and Pierre are involved in any way, I want to watch it in order to keep shoveling, like, money their way because they deserve it. So uh, just for that alone, I would like to stick around.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: um i am i'm
0: really excited about the show being uh as good as it is which means like room for growth but like like for sure if i'm like asked to like is would you recommend it or would you not recommend it like i've i've recommended it to people already uh so the answer is i'm recommending it uh so i'm i'm happy about that i'll definitely want to see how this goes um there's a lot to be said uh for like Uh, adaptations of source material and when you are being really faithful to the stuff and when you are taking leaps away and how it's probably like you're looking for that Goldilocks sweet spot. If you can find it, you don't want to be overly faithful and you definitely don't want to like Fall all the way away from the source of material, looking at you walking dead, uh, like I think like there there is a line, and based on these three episodes and based on like certainly like my memories of my experiences with why, uh, I think the adaptation choices by and large so far have been um, really, really strong, uh, like the, the, the places where this is different uh, and if if not like outright um, like yes, that works that 's great, then at the very least like that's interesting. I'm like leaning in. I want to, I want to know more.
1: It's, um, it's a great time for, I don't want to say indie comic adaptations, but like non stand. Cause like what, what works about why is like we talked about, like they, they took a lot of the same stuff, but adapted it and evolved it to modern day. And I think like the boys is an example of that. Cause I'm not a huge fan of the boys comic book. They adapted a lot of aspects and stuff to modern day to tell different types of stories with the premise, keeping the heart, I think of what it is, but just shifting it. Um, but like between like the Boys for me, Wide Last Man, Invincible, Sweet Tooth on Netflix, like incredible. Like there's so much adaptation. Yeah, of like we more... still got to do that one, don't we? I, uh yeah, I'm, I'm almost finished the first season. It's really good. Um, it's really good. I highly recommend that one to people. I'll catch back um, up on it.
0: and We'll talk about it at some point.
1: Yeah, but like between that, I'm excited for Sandman now, especially like I've been excited, but I'm actually like kind of amped because I feel like the 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 non superhero content comic stuff. Is, is really popping in a way for me uh, especially recently that gets me really excited and like makes me like thrilled uh, to, to, to be you know to, I'm jazzed about it to say the least. Um, and you know I, I'm loving what if obviously uh, my my feelings on the the other shows have been like more or less pretty good. but it is interesting to see like the Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows. And being like, yeah, these are pretty good. Okay. And then comparing it to actually some of the more independent ones, like your Sweet Twos, like your Y, like your Watchmen even. Um, and just seeing like, oh, yeah, this is different. Like, I think these shows know TV and are really show shining in that fact. Like, they know how to approach TV. And I think Marvel is still trying to hit that. Because what if is probably the most traditional TV? Because it's um, uh, episodic and not serialized. But... It's fascinating to me, is all I'm saying. (laughs) I think that's fair.
0: All right, let's wrap it there. Uh, Next week, Kevin and I are getting together in person. We're going to talk about why Why, in person. Why? Why the last man? eh? A. We are probably not going to be talking about that. We are going to be talking about more. What if? uh, Whatever comes next for what if, we will be there. We will be together in person, talking it all through. If you've got questions for us, now's a great time to do it. Uh, the E I S A M A. We want to know. Ask us anything. Super at postshowrecaps That's super at Recaps.com. Dot com Or you can hit up Kevin at Kev Mahadeo. I'm at Round Howard. You can talk to both of us in the post show recaps patron discord at patreon.com slash post show recaps. Uh, Kevin, uh, speaking of why, A, that I mentioned earlier and can never figure out how to say,
1: uh, what's going on over <laughs> there? You guys are wrapping up some Hunger Games, I hear. We are wrapping up the Hunger Games. We're heading into the final Hunger Games. Didn't movie. you just start?
0: Weren't you? Ju- didn't you just do this?
1: Feels like it, right? It feels like we wow. just started off, but here we are approaching the end, uh, and it's um yeah. I this is my first time having watched the two Mockingjay films. This is my first time reading the Mockingjay book, and boy, oh boy, do I have thoughts and opinions. <laughs> Shockingly, you um, thoughts and opinions. I am Shocked. Wow. Wow. Um Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> was that Mark Wahlberg? Wow. Uh, I was trying to do uh uh um uh Owen Wilson there. Wow. Oh wow uh, or or should I do um oh Jennifer Coolidge the Wow like wow. Just...
0: <laughs> my mother
1: <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to, but we were pointing out that it's weird that Jennifer Coolidge and Owen Wilson have the same catchphrase, just spoken very differently. Wow. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, Mockingjay is is quite an experience. But we're heading into that, the final film of Mockingjay, Mockingjay Part Two. Um, so that'll be coming your way soon. And then we'll be doing our Hunger Games recap after that. And then we have some, uh, we have some, uh, we have some stuff that we're gonna be doing afterwards uh, that we'll be revealing. So check that out to find out, or listen here. Maybe I'll tell you here as well. Um, so yeah, uh, we're really excited about what's coming next, and 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 talking about the Hunger Games wrap up. Yeah. It's a really
0: fun podcast. One of the things that's great is you and Melissa always have uh, like a different guest on. It feels like almost every time, if not every time. And very often, uh, you know, almost exclusively, you're pulling from the patrons of Post Show Recaps who are coming on and giving their thoughts. So it's like a really interactive show in that way i really appreciate that about ya so i don't know go make friends with kevin and his co-host melissa in the post recaps page and discord and maybe you'll get to talk about young adult fiction on a podcast with kevin uh, yeah <laughs> that feels like you'll, a thing that you'll you'll love it as i yell at you and tell you while you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> no you're very pleasant you you play very nice with everybody except i me. do i do uh so that's uh that's all happening yeah go back and check out all of that hunger games coverage it's great uh, Kevin and Melissa and everybody are doing uh, such a great job week in and week out. Really, really, really fun. And I'm I'm very hyped. Uh, I'm a little biased because I pitched the idea to you, but I'm very hyped for what you're doing for uh, the podcast in October.
1: It's true. Uh, you did pitch the idea. It was a good idea. It's, when I see a good idea, I'll take it.
0: Take it. Just take it. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week live together. Oh, my God. Can't wait. So it's just going to be a stream of us hugging the entire time. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. It'll be like a like a four minute podcast. Uh, No, we'll do the real thing. It's gonna be great. Uh, All right, everyone, take care. Bye bye bye.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family